0: welcome to another edition of Rick and Bubba University the podcast Bubba we are 50 plus a podcast and we're working our
1: way to number 60. can you believe it Rick I can't believe it we have a very special guest today the former governor of Arkansas he's also been on Fox News and has various programs uh, all over the place and a pretty good guitar player Mike Huckleby so,
0: uh, hey. Huck, you're back. You're on Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. We don't have a thing in the world to talk about. Nothing's going on in the country.
2: No, I was uh, just thinking maybe we could talk about uh, projected hoe handle production for fiscal year twenty two twenty three. 23 That's something that people in the South talk about every year, making those hoe handles for the, uh, you know, farm implements out there. No, there's nothing going on, guys. Nothing. What a crazy world we live in. Unbelievable. You know,
1: democracy is, is messy at times. Uh, still, is. The, still the best thing going, but it's, it can be messy, can be disturbing. Give us your thoughts on the election, where we're at. And as we're recording this, we still do not know who has won, and the Trump team has filed
2: multiple lawsuits in multiple states. Uh, yeah. wh- what's your thoughts? Where are we at? Well, one thing I think people need to realize, it's important that the president's team file those lawsuits for the simple reason. It's not about sour grapes. It's about making sure that this was a completely above the board legitimate election. When you have places like in Pennsylvania where 100 percent of the ballots, which showed up late, by the way, but they all 100 percent of them were for Joe Biden, not one of them for Donald Trump does make you scratch your head a little bit. And there are other issues to be determined, whether or not the ballots arrived on time, whether or not they had a valid ID or signature. Are they legitimate? So let's be clear. We want every legitimate legal vote to be counted. But you don't hear that from the the Biden side. They say every vote be counted. Well, if it's not a legitimate vote, that's a vote that's taking away from yours. So let's make sure the election is just. And let me be very clear. If it is, And if we have the opportunity to go through and validate the ballots and Joe Biden ends up winning, God forbid, but if he does, I'm not gonna lay down in the middle of the street and scream and howl at the moon like a crazy person. Uh, I'm not gonna curl up in a fetal position under my bed and refuse to come out. I'm going to accept the results of the election. I'm gonna not say Joe Biden isn't my president uh, like a lot of these people have for four years. I'm gonna say, yeah, he is my president and I hope he does the right thing for the country. We can celebrate that a record number of people turned out to vote, 160 million more than ever have. That's a good thing. And we can also be grateful that uh, there was not violence in the streets and we did vote by way of ballot rather than by bullet, which is the way a lot of uh, countries change their government. So all of those are good things, but we have to know that the election was carried out in a proper and legal way and it's incumbent upon President Trump and his team, not just as a matter of their rights, it's really their responsibility to make sure that everything was done on the up and up.
0: You know, when you look at the state of our country, I mean, uh, it's almost like the book you wrote, The Three Cs That Made America Great. It's almost like I wish we could have got this book out long before the election, because, yeah. because you see the results uh, of exactly what you're writing about. You do see that what you're saying America must return to it couldn't have been more evident in what we're seeing not not just in the election but all the things leading up to the election the the loss of law and order uh the um, you know the, the people parading and using you know the 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 shield of, of racism but then behind that is really activism and marxism uh, not that racism isn't real and and shouldn't be addressed but it's being used as a pawn which then takes away from the seriousness of it and talk a little bit about these things. capitalism has been demonized. Uh, instead yeah. of it uh, being used to accomplish the highest standard of living from top to bottom in the history of the world. it's it's not a, a solution for the world. Uh, it's a problem that even we are still doing it. So talk a little bit about and then of course, the Constitution. There, sure. there there's no reverence for the Constitution uh, by much by many of Americans. They believe it's antiquated, it's outdated. So really these three C's, Christianity, we're post-Christian now, no doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, Capitalism—it's—it's it's not something to be celebrated; it's something to be demonized. And then the Constitution is something that was outdated. Uh, it, the the Constitution, even in its in itself, somehow has been deemed to be racist in its past. So, so talk a little bit about maybe what we need to start thinking about the next time we get in this situation.
2: Well, let me give you kind of a Reader's Digest version of of the three C's and and the the basis of the book is that these are the uh, the three legs of the stool, if you will, that made America the greatest country on earth, that built it from absolutely nothing but a frontier to the most prosperous and powerful nation in the history of the world in an incredibly short period of time, and that did it um, in, in a remarkable way that was largely uh, based on giving people opportunity. So let's take them one at a time. First of all, the country was founded on a Judeo-Christian worldview. I'm not saying all the founders were uh, sitting in the front row Christians singing out loud every Sunday, but they understood that what made this unique experiment of government unique um, was this. They believed in the individual. They were not collectivists. They were individualist. And when they said, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal in doubt— by their creator with certain unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, the power of that was in every person created equal. Not the same, but equal in terms of intrinsic worth and value. Now, let me contrast that with identity politics today. that says that our worth and our value is tied to whatever group we are a part of, whether it's our gender, our sexual orientation, or whether it's uh, whether we're labor, whether we're rural or uh, urban, whether we're rich or poor, whether we're white or black, it's a racial identity or an ethnic identity. Our founders said, no, our identity, our worth, our value is not in our group. It is in us as an individual. And that is a Christian tenet that a lot of people have never understood is unique to the Christian faith that recognizes that our duty to God is individual, our responsibility to God is individual, and our relationship to God is individual. Even if I wanted to, I could not pray you into heaven if you're unrepentant and unwilling to personally move from your sins and trust Jesus as your Savior. I just can't do that because you're an individual. You are individually accountable to God for the decision you make. When you translate that into this new government that was created 230-something years ago, it's pretty amazing because they recognize that our worth and value is not what our dads did for a living. It's not our last name. It's not how much land we own or how close we are to the crown of England. It's that we have standing before God. That is powerful, and it unleashed the capacity of individuals. So the country was founded on that. And it's not that we were founded on that everybody had to quote the Bible every day. It was founded on that tenet of individual personal responsibility, but also personal worth. That is, I mean, that's revolutionary in this case, literally. And by the way, let me add this on the Christian front. One of the things we try to talk about in the book is that every single Ivy League school, with the exception of Cornell, was created to train Christian ministers and I wonder how many people at Harvard who walk those uh, grounds today, faculty or students are aware that Harvard was named after a 31-year-old preacher, John Harvard, whose statue is in Harvard Yard. And the purpose of Harvard was to train preachers and missionaries. And a requirement of the Harvard students and faculty was that every day, twice a day, they had to read their Bibles and pray. How many students and faculty do you think are following that on that <laughs> campus today? A <laughs> little off of that. Yeah. A, a little bit. We're going to jump, uh, jump into uh, yeah, the next We'll
0: jump into the next one uh, when we come back, and Bubba has a, maybe one more question on the Christianity okay. part. And we continue mm-hmm. with Mike Huckabee on this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. All right. So we're talking to Mike Huckabee. We've talked about what's going on with the election. At time of recording this, we don't know who the president is. And he he wrote a book, The Three C's That Made America Great. Uh, were Christianity, capitalism, and the Constitution. Uh, and, and we just talked about Christianity, and and, and you had a question about
1: Well, I was going to jump over into the political side of okay. it a little bit because all this is going to be intermixed together. Governor, uh, assuming that Biden's lead holds up and we don't find any shenanigans in this, Um, what, what do you think that, that Donald Trump did wrong because he had some, some monumental accomplishments? Why was he not overwhelmingly reelected like
2: Ronald Reagan was in his second term? The the simple answer is that he has spent four years flying against the most extraordinary headwind of any political figure in history. No one has faced 95% negative press that relentlessly ignored every positive achievement he had and that just amplified every indiscretion he may have had in terms of saying something uh, or even just outright lying about him and saying that he was in collusion with Russia, which we found out after $35 million and 19 lawyers that that wasn't true. Um, So here's a guy who has spent the entire time of his presidency with Congress so against him, they impeached him over nothing and couldn't get it done. A press corps that has been hateful, uh, dishonest. They really have proven themselves to be what he called them, the enemy of the people. Because if you're the enemy of the truth, you are an enemy of the people. And not every person in the press is distrustful, but most are, I mean, let's just face it. They were a part of this cabal that was trying to bring him down. Um, when you add all of that together, and then some of it was self-inflicted. Let's be honest. There were times when Donald Trump would say or tweet something that was cringeworthy. And it was at times offensive to people. I heard friends of mine say, you know, I just can't vote for him because he just has no sense of self-control when it comes to jumping at his enemies. Look, I get that. But I'm glad we have a guy who did not just cower in the corner every time somebody chased him. He fought back, and uh, for every maybe moment that he went over the top or went too far, um, I can live with that because I'm more grateful for his pro-life policies, his pro-Israel policies, the policies of religious liberty that recognize that the government ought to leave me the heck alone when it comes to how I worship, where I worship, and when I worship. Uh, I'm grateful for those things that he did, and so if, if he had some personality uh, quirks that bothered some people, I'd I tell him, get over it. Look at the accomplishments. Look at the record. You don't elect him to be room mother so he can bring cupcakes in and make everybody <laughs> smile. You elect him to be a leader and push back against China and push back against Iran, push back against these deadbeat European nations that weren't paying their dues to NATO. He did all of that. And he should have been reelected in a landslide.
1: Well, it, it kind of, and I'm circling back around to your three C's, yeah. is, this, is this an example of us losing the culture war? It's more than an election. It's, uh, have we lost the heart of our country? Do they, are they too far gone to see the values that made this country what it is? And is the new anything goes going to, I mean you got to admit, when you have to choose between your dad, who's giving you rules about what time you have to be at home at night, <laughs> versus Santa Claus, most people yeah. are going to pick
2: Santa Claus. You know, I kind of see the election results differently, and here's why. Even if Biden is declared the winner, a record number of people voted, period, and a record number voted for Donald Trump, among the Republican side. Ronald Reagan didn't get the number of votes he did. So rather than say, oh, our movement is dead, I'd say, no, our movement is live and well, but we did what we did against the face of insurmountable odds. We had the deep state of government against us. We had the entirety of the news media against us. We had one of the major political parties that lied and cheated and did everything they could, but you know, pull our hair and scratch our eyes out and we still showed up and battled, not only to the end, but beyond, and but from some places where more people voted than were registered, which is just uh, miraculous in itself, Donald Trump would still be president and still will be. And he may still be by the time this is all sorted out. So uh, look, I'd love to have seen him win in the landslide. I thought he was going to win and I thought he was gonna win substantially because the momentum was definitely on his side. Right. But the fact that 100 million people voted early, uh, I do think was hurtful in this case, because Democrats did a good job of getting their people uh, to go and vote for Biden. Deep down, nobody voted for Biden. I mean, I never met a person who said, you know, he makes so much sense. I just love to hear him talk. He really (laughs) speaks to me. Nobody said that. It was go vote against Donald Trump. I mean, Joe Biden couldn't stand on a little stage and scream at less cars than are in the drive-through at Whataburger and make sense. I've never seen anything like this. This guy was running for president. Look, I drew more crowds when I ran for Lieutenant Governor of Arkansas than he drew running for president. And, and my folks who voted for me didn't have to sit in their car and honk their horn just to approve me, uh, you know, a dozen little cars sitting out in a, in a drive-through. That was unbelievable. Governor, have we as conservatives, have we missed the boat
1: against the deep state a little bit? Because we were talking earlier amongst ourselves, the, the, the left, they own Hollywood, they own the networks, they own the newspapers, they own uh, social media, social media completely. Yeah. They own the education system top to bottom. Uh, and, you know, the conservatives, we, we, have, we do have a, a hold on maybe talk radio, maybe a little bit with Fox News and cable, but overwhelmingly it seems the deep state has an absolute death grip on everything, and have, have we got complacent? Do we need to be battling the education system to get conservatives and Christians back in these positions of decision a little bit more than what we
2: are doing right now. Absolutely. There are four big centers of influence in America that really do shape culture. Silicon Valley, Hollywood, Wall Street, and Washington. Those are the four centers of influence, and they basically influence everything else we do. And within the New York bubble, you've got also fashion. Uh, You also have all the entertainment industry of Hollywood that may extend into even Nashville and some other places and New York. But they're all controlled by the same small group of left-wing people who basically hate people like us. Uh, Back in a book I did called God, Guns, Grits, and Gravy, I talked about the difference between people who lived in these four bubbles and the people who lived in what I call uh, the opposite of Bubbleville. They live in, you'll love this. Bubbaville, because <laughs> yeah. they live in rural America, yeah. and you know they live in flyover country. Look at a map of the way America votes. There's this vast red map. It looks like mm-hmm. the whole of the country. Then you look real closely, and you realize no, down this sliver of the coast, and this sliver of the west coast, and little piece up here in the Great Lakes. Uh, well, that's a little blue there. Everything else is red. What does that tell us? It is the urban areas on the coast that have the influence, that are shaping culture. And the tragedy is a lot of us in the middle of America have just accepted that. And we've got to quit accepting it. We need to fight back, come up with our own institutions, come up with our own bubbles of influence. And if we don't, uh, we're going to keep getting our heads bashed in. Well, and I think the
0: next two points, which you you talked about, Bubba, tie in in, in in the book, the three C's that made America great. I think the reason why the deep state has been successful and demonizing capitalism, and then the the third one, the Constitution, is that there's a lot of Americans that are walking around that have never been educated on these two things at all, and they they have a complete misrepresentation of what these two things were here to accomplish and what they have already accomplished.
2: Well, let's take capitalism, for example. It's being demonized today as based on greed. That's not true. It's based on incentive. The incentive that if I go out and work hard and I'm I'm unproductive, then I'll be able to uh, provide better for my family. I'll be able to do things for my neighbors through the generosity of my charity. And that's a part of making a great country. It's why America is a great country. We're the most generous people on earth. How can you be generous if you don't have any money? How can you have any money if you don't work? And how can you have more money you have to work harder. So the idea of capitalism, which is that rather than me just waiting for the government to divvy out what it wants me to have, it's based on, and I go back to what I said earlier, individualism. I have the opportunity to innovate, to to make something that you want, and I'll sell it to you for a price you're willing to pay. With the money I get, I make some more and I sell them. And then you take what you have and you may use it for something that makes you money now you can go into the marketplace and buy it capitalism is not based on the notion that there's only so much money to be had and once it's divvied up there is no more it's based on the idea that we can continually expand that economic pie that's why it is not based good capitalism on greed but it's based on the notion of incentive and innovation and reward uh, we are rewarded for our work, that's biblical. So this notion that it's uh, it's you know anti-Christian, that's nonsense. Uh, I, I just think people, when they talk about socialism, I'd say, let's apply that to the classroom. Go into any classroom in America and say, okay, how many of you made a 95 on the test? Stand over on this wall. How many of you made 55 on the test and you flagged out? You get on this side of the wall. All right, here's what we're gonna do. It's so unfair, you kids with the 95. So what if you studied all night? I'm sure it was white privilege that gave you the capacity to do that. So we're taking 25 points off your 95, giving it to the kid who had a 55. Now he makes 80. In fact, we'll just round it all off. Everybody gets 75 points. We're all gonna be C students. How's everybody okay with that? The kid with 50, he's gonna say, that's great. Kid with 95 says, wait, that's not fair. He didn't work as hard as me. He didn't study. Yeah, but I'm sure there were circumstances that kept him from it. That's socialism, and nobody likes it in practice when it's applied to them personally. They only like it when it's applied to somebody else. Yeah, and I think they don't know the difference, which is why they're so ready to toss capitalism,
0: is they really have no idea the difference because they've never experienced it.
2: Exactly. Um, if I've got time, I want to quickly hit the Constitution, yeah, 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 I'll probably absolutely. be very brief yeah, about it. Yeah, go ahead. Here's what's the genius of the Constitution. First of all, I think it's an inspired document, not on the level of the Bible, which is infallible and inerrant, but certainly inspired, and here's what makes it so remarkable. It is not perfect, but it was formed to give us toward a more perfect union, but the power of the Constitution is that it's the first document in uh, governing history that says, the government is limited and the people are not. If you look, for example, at the Bill of Rights, every single one of them tells the government what it cannot do and it tells the people what its rights enable them to do. A lot of people think that the purpose of the Constitution is to restrict us or restrain us, not on your life. It is to ensure our liberty by telling the government keep your stinking hands off the rights and the liberties of the individual citizens, because we are individuals. We got that from Christianity. We are also individuals when it comes to making our own way, choosing our own career and job and, and dreaming dreams and being entrepreneurs, that's capitalism. And the constitution says, and the government can't keep you from living the way you wanna live. Whether it's your speech, your religion, your assembly, you're filing a grievance against the government, whether it's the government coming into your house or looking at your stuff, uh, it it just can't do that. The government is prohibited from doing those things, including taking your firearms away that you use to protect yourself, your family, and your freedom.
0: Yeah, I've heard it said this way before, and I agree. The Constitution was set up to offer the individual, back to Christianity, Mm -hmm. uh, maximum liberty, so then that individual could maximize his or her God-given potential.
2: That's a beautiful explanation, as I've heard. Absolutely 100 percent correct.
1: Governor, I know we're going to have to uh, let you go because of a prior commitment, but I wanted to ask you this on a, 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 you know, where the rubber hits the road, uh, assuming again that uh, Joe Biden wins this. And we don't know yet while we're recording this, but he is much closer than Trump is at this point. He was very critical of the president's response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Matter of fact, he said he did nothing, which I saw that he did a lot, I thought. And I've listened to Joe Biden, and it sounds like he's saying that he wants to do exactly what we're doing. And maybe I'm missing something in this, but do you anticipate him giving us a national
2: lockdown shortly after he is inaugurated? One of two things will happen either a national lockdown, or he'll say, Well, praise the Lord, our problems are solved now that I'm elected. But I I don't know which he will do. But here's what I find so disingenuous on his part he's really put nothing out there uh, that President Trump hasn't done. And to say that President Trump hasn't done anything is ludicrous and it's frankly insulting to all of our intelligence because if you look at the president, he shut down the hottest economy in the history of the country in order to flatten the curve. He went with the idea of shutting down travel from China and Europe, mm-hmm. which frankly was to me bigger than shutting it down from China in order to stem the tide. But he did something he doesn't give any get any credit for. After putting ventilators in place and having a remarkable ginning up of the uh, manufacturing of equipment and PPE, all of these things that he did, giving the states everything they needed and wanted. You never hear a governor say, we didn't we didn't get the stuff we needed. They got it. Here's what he did. He believed in the 10th Amendment, which says if the constitution doesn't give in the power, it's left to the states. He actually believed that and he let the governors make the decisions at their own state levels, rather than trying to impose a one size fits all solution. And he allowed them to manage their own COVID response which is exactly how America is supposed to function. Mm -hmm. I think that is the biggest single thing he did. Nobody seems to want to give him credit for that, but I certainly do as having been a governor who would love to have had the federal government leave me alone, let me manage it. If I boogered it up, well, beat me up over it. Mm -hmm. But if I succeeded for the way I would deal with it in my individual state, given that my population is not the same as New York or California, then give me credit for having managed it at the local level, like our founders intended for issues to be managed.
0: Well, thanks for taking time to be with us, and uh, we appreciate that. Go to MikeHuckabee.com. Get to the three C's that made America great. It's an important read now more than ever, and thanks for taking time to be on Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Thank you, Governor. I love you guys. Hope to see you again soon. Thank a- you. You too. Thanks a lot. Bub, and I will continue when we come back on Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Bubba, let, let's talk about the fact uh, that I, you could raise your credit score by 61 points. Are you happy with that? Oh, I'd take that I, right now. I mean, if you're going to raise it by 61 points, let me tell you what that would have meant to you, and, and ScoreMaster is how you do it. If you were going out and you were saying, hey, I want to go out and I want to buy a home, and I'm looking for a home loan, and, and maybe you went to ScoreMaster, and they were able to raise it, these, the, the, the average, which that I means sometimes it's more, of 61 points on, the, on the, the the life of the loan, that would have saved you, this is real money, I want you to hear this number, $100,000. Real dollars. $100,000. Over the term. Yeah, so on, on average, uh, uh, the the average American has 97 points that they can add to their credit score, and they don't even know how to do it. Uh, like I say, the average we're doing is 61 points in about 20 days or less. Uh, so it, that means if your credit score is in the high you know, 500s to the mid 600s, and say you bought a new car. If you'd gone to Scoremaster first and raised that credit score just, just the average of 61 points, that would have saved you nine grand on the automobile. So why don't you make the move and do this now? Uh, Scoremaster puts you in control of your finances, not the banks. Enroll in minutes and see how many plus points Scoremaster can add to your credit score. Visit Scoremaster.com slash Rick Bubba. That's Scoremaster.com slash com Rick Bubba. So Mike Huckabee was with us. Uh, you know, when we first planned uh, this interview with Mike Huckabee, we thought it would just be about the book, and we got, we got some of that in, and there's no doubt about it, uh, that we need to go back and, and, and look at these things that, that made America great. He laid those out, but he also talked about things involving the president. And one of the things that he said, and, and this is one of those things that just kind of baffles the mind, look, I was no gigantic fan of Donald Trump's personality or even Donald Trump the human being mm-hmm. in the beginning and, and really, really struggled with that on the first election uh, especially. However, when you're dealing with elections, uh, and I think the first time was much harder to, to vote for him than the second time because some of the things that came out right before the election, and he was unproven. But now we're sitting here four years later, and when Mike Huckabee says, hey, I had friends that said, you know, I just have to vote against him because of, the way he acts on Twitter and how bombastic he is, but where is the thought process of what you now will be voting for? That, that's the part that seems to boggle my mind because one of the things that I think Donald Trump should be given credit for, and we've talked about it on the, on the, the main show a lot, is that because of his personality, the response from the left, he did reveal how far they've moved towards socialism and Marxism and, and the post-Christian environment, the completely secular environment, that a lot of the left would desire us to live in, kind of an a la a European secular world. So you, you thought somebody was rude. You didn't like their personality. But you loathe that more
1: than the destruction of the fabric of a constitutional republic. Well, Rick, I, I think part of it is that – you know, we we've had such a high standard of living for so long. Right. We don't worry about where the next meal's coming from. We don't worry about having the lights on. So the things that can come into focus are how mean somebody is. Um, and, you know, you, you you base decisions on those kind of things as opposed to the things that really matter under, you know, underlying the bigger things, because we don't deal with those things day to day. We don't see them as a threat. Uh, if I've grown up and my parents have always put food on the table, I don't fear that we're not going to have food on the table. Right. So I think. You know, the the joke used to be that, you know, you get to such a, a standard of living, you, you don't really understand what's going on outside of your sphere of influence. And I, I think that has something to do, with, like, with the suburban women who may have voted against Trump. They, they apparently put him in last time, they say, a lot of the experts, because they didn't like Hillary. Well, this time they didn't like Trump. So you, you see a theme here. It's who they don't like. Not who they like or whose policies are, are improving their life or the life of their neighbors, but it's who they like and dislike. So I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I'm I'm really when you look at the success, and I, I lived through the Ronald Reagan years, and I got to cast my first presidential vote for Ronald Reagan's second term. He won and, and think about what we're going through right now. He won forty nine states, all except Minnesota. The home state of his opponent, Mondale. Right. Ronald Reagan, Republican, who has the same policies that Donald Trump has for the most part, won New York and California. Now, think about that, how much our country's changed. I can't even wrap my mind around that thought. <laughs> I mean, it's, but, it's unbelievable. Because, isn't it?
0: and, and, you know, we, we are very divided, and Mike Huckabee talked about this, and we've talked about it on the show. If you do look at the election returns and how it's laying out, you have, you know, the city mice versus the, the country mice. Uh, the flyover states in rural America lives in a different country as far as the way they see it than the urban areas. Yep. And I guess the part that, um, that is perplexing is that if, if something, look, I understand being duped by something on the short term. I think this is what's best for me, and I bought into the sales pitch, because that's what it is, that I should be with this party because I like their sales pitch. Uh, Maybe I don't like things about another ideology. Some of Mm -hmm. the tenets of that, I don't care for But then you tried it, and you looked at your situation, and it didn't get any better back to Ronald Reagan. You remember the great line that got him elected in a landslide that you just mentioned, look at your life four years ago. Is it better or worse? Yeah. And if I've supported an ideology for a period of time and the same problems that I had when I voted for that ideology have not been fixed, they might've even gotten worse. Don't I feel motivated to try something else? And I think you did see that even in the, if it ends up being a loss and we don't know by the time we're recording this, whether Trump uh, is, is officially not going to run, get a second term uh, or not. But if he doesn't, and it looks like he 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 might not, but then you see more people, especially minorities, have voted for him this time than they did last time. Which means one of the narratives from the left must not have been believed. Mm-hmm. So you you saw some part of our country saying we think we do better under a Trump type administration than we would under a Biden Kamala Harris type administration. So I guess the mentality of continuing. You know, and down that road and expecting something to change, um, it, it kind of it, it perplexes me. You know, if it's working for you, then I guess I get it. But if it's not, I tend to try something else.
1: You know, the other question, of course, we'll never know. The COVID-19 was a curveball in the system. We're headed into the year uh, of, of an election. By all accounts, everybody thought Trump would have an easy win uh, until COVID hit. And that changed everything. Um, what would it have looked like if we haven't have had that? Yeah,
0: I was going to ask you what. What, what is your opinion? COVID never comes. What just happened? Would it made a
1: difference? What, I don't know. What just happened on November third if COVID never came? Well, I don't know. I don't know. It it was made somewhat of a campaign issue, but I don't really hear people talking about that part of the issue would it have been very close to what it is now? If it's not, or would it have would Trump have, uh, have won it easier? Um, I think that he may have been better to take a page out of Ronald Reagan's playbook and not stayed with the make America great again and maybe gone with are you better off than you were four years ago. But when COVID hit, see, that takes that away because a lot of people are not now because our unemployment's up. So I don't know. It's just, uh, it's it's tough to navigate, and it's easy to armchair quarterback a pandemic. And I, I've said on the show many times, I'm not, I think, uh, you know, Cuomo made mistakes. I think Blasio made mistakes. Um, I think, uh, you know, Trump probably, you, you'd have to look. There were probably mistakes made somewhere along the line. I don't think anybody would go, you make a perfect response to a pandemic. But I try to give them leeway on that because we don't, we're not, you know, we don't deal with pandemics every day uh, once in a 100 years, so it's hard to armchair quarterback. But, but Joe Biden made that an issue, and he did armchair quarterback it, although, like we were saying with the governor, it seems like he's proposing the exact same things that Trump were, were doing. Yeah. With the exception of adding a national lockdown to it.
0: Yeah, and I don't know the whether, whether that'll happen or not again, but, I, but I'm
1: with you. And, and they did try to make a big point. Have you heard anything about the COVID rates of infection in the news in the last few days? No. It, anything at all? Well, that's what I'm wondering. It, it, Will it, it mysteriously go away? The, the COVID thing was, we'll a, find out. was attempted,
0: but I'm with you. I don't think I heard anybody say they voted on that one issue. Uh, but anyway, all right, so we'll, we'll come back with final thoughts. Uh, as this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast continues. All right, so Gabby Insurance, we're just we're just trying to save you money throughout this podcast today. This is real simple, and I've been as guilty of it as anybody. I keep buying my automobile insurance and my homeowner's insurance. I'm just being honest before I started using Gabby because this is the insurance agency that my parents used. This is the one they passed along to me, so I started using it. And you may be in that situation, but you may be overpaying. For, for your homeowner's insurance and your automobile insurance unnecessarily. Meaning you don't have to, you don't have to have less coverage. So what you can do, and this is completely free, and they're not going to sell any of your information to anybody, so don't worry about that. If you want to stop overpaying, why don't you go to gabby.com right now? That's G-A-B-I slash Rick Bubba. Gabby.com slash Rick Bubba. And here's how it works. You put in your inf- your insurance information, it takes a couple of minutes. They'll bring in forty other insurance companies, and all the big names will come up, and you'll see them: Progressive, Nationwide, Travelers, Farmers. The list goes on and on. You'll check forty others for the same insurance that you have for your home, same insurance you have for your automobile, and you may find that you're overpaying. And if you are, you make a make a, a change. If you if you're not, then you feel good about that too. They're 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 saving their customers an average of eight hundred and twenty five dollars a year. And Bubba and I've gotten emails that some people save more than that. Uh, so go to Gabby.com slash Rick completely free, Gabby.com, g icom slash Rick All right, so let me ask you this, Bubba, as we're wrapping up this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. We talked with Mike Huckabee. We talked about the state of our country. I think that we can agree, and it, it hurts to agree on this, that we are now post-Christian. That, that's, to me, ravingly obvious. Okay, so we, we're no longer, we're, we're a post Christian right. nation, and we've become mostly, if not completely, secular. Okay? Still have freedom of religion for right now. You know, it's, you see some little pushes on that, some tests that we've had in recent history. But so far, it seems like nobody can really touch the church because of the freedom the Constitution right. guarantees them. Well, but, they've tried. But they're trying it. They're trying. Right. Yeah. All right. Are we post capitalism of these three C's that we talked about? Well, I mean, are we, are we going to leave? Do you see, can we get back to that that wonderful free market and and very little government and and turning the economy loose
1: and letting it eat? I don't think we ever get totally away from capitalism, even though it's become a dirty word with some on the left, uh, because capitalism to me is kind of like gravity. We can complain about gravity all we want, but there's nothing we can do about it. Right. There There's always going to be some form of, I have something to sell, would you like to buy it? I think the success you've seen with China moving out of being a third world country has been because while they kept their communist government, they have moved to more capitalistic market approach. So I think, you know, you can say you want to do away with capitalism, but you never do. Do you think we need to do a better job like we were talking about with
0: Huckabee? I think a lot of people that are anti-capitalism, they don't even understand how they're benefiting from it.
1: Yeah. Yes. Do you agree with that? Yeah, and I think there's a lot of people that's just always against whatever the the thing is now. It has no logic to it. But anything we're doing now, I'm against it. Let's change it. All right. Then the third C. We we agree we are post Christian. We don't we yeah. don't think we're post
0: capitalism because I think people know so little about it. We're still doing it, and they just don't think we're doing. Yeah, it as much. yeah.
1: They might call it something else. Right. They're still buying and selling. Are we post Constitution? Uh, are we, I th- I are think, we outside uh, that
0: Constitution so much we'll never get back inside it?
1: Well, the Supreme Court will have a lot to do with that. Uh, if they keep routing everybody back to the original intent, which we have some people who are uh, originalist in their thought now, uh, we will not be. But there are people who want to change it. There's people who want to do away with the Electoral college. There's people that want to change this, change that. Of course, it's a hard process to change some of that. So, thankfully, I don't know that they'll be able to. Yeah. And, and again, that was the genius of the forefathers to know that it would take a really dramatic event where a lot of people would have to agree to change it. And I think that's what we'll close on because I think
0: I don't want it. I don't want this to be Debbie Downer podcast. No, 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 okay. no, and, no. And you heard me put some positive on it as well of where we are as a country with having record numbers of people voting and even record numbers of people who were trying to vote to give Trump a, a second term, including a rise in minorities, meaning that some of this that gets shoveled, it doesn't mean it, it necessarily is bought into. Right. But I want to, I want to let's leave on the genius of the founding fathers. Look, they set it up that if we'll just be, if we'll just be smart, no matter which party gets elected, they're not Kings. Nope. And, and they have all these, these limiting breakers that are set up the Senate the House, the different branches of the government. So no matter if a candidate goes in that you oppose it may have a radical view, like in this case, you still have a Senate that's going to be an opposing ideology that will keep, you know, if if the Biden administration goes in, will keep them in check. And sometimes what frustrates you about this setup when it's your party in Mm -hmm. control will be the thing that you're very thankful for when the opposing party gets the executive branch. Hey, Thanks for being with us. We appreciate it so much on this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast.